But when you learn to navigate these conversations, it's not always pretty. And we're way better now than we were 10 years ago. You know, And I think the key is to keep having the conversations, right? It's when there is no communication that things blow up. But if you're in constant communication, even if it's, you know, shitty community, like even if it's not fun to go through, but you're constantly communicating, you'll move through it. You know, you, you have more chances of moving through it than letting it blow up and dividing. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It's excellent to be back with you for another episode of Conversation with Interesting People. And hey, you know, I don't uh, ask this very often, but I think it's time. I think it's time you and I have a heart to heart. I think we need to sort of clear the air because you know what? I need you to do something for me. I need you to go and pick up a pack of chips. Now, um, I, I know it's uh, something that everyone asks you to do, but I would really appreciate it if you're listening to this podcast on a platform like Spotify or Google or Apple or Amazon or wherever you're listening to it. Uh, much appreciated if you do have the option of giving it a rating. Um, I would really appreciate you giving a rating. Whatever the rating, I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to force you to do what you don't want to do. But an appropriate rating would be much appreciated. And of course, as always, do share it with people you think will resonate with some of the conversations and ideas. And of course, with me and um, spread the word. That's basically all I'm asking you to do. Anyhow, you know, um, I was thinking of this idea of growing up, right? Because uh, as you all know, I'm 40 and um, I shaved the beard. I know gray beard is coming back soon. But what happened in the process, I realized I'm 40 and I mean, I'm dealing with boy issues. And by boy issues, I mean pimples. I'm trying to sit at an angle here because I found this zit, as some of the people call it, on my face. I'm like, isn't that an age beyond which these things need to stop? The indignity, the injustice of it all needs to end right now. At what point will it be a thing where I no longer have to deal with pimples? And it's not even really a pimple, which is those things that really came in the way between you and life when you were 14 or 15, these obnoxious things which had a life of their own growing on your nose or growing on your forehead, and they would literally glisten more than the rest of your face. And you're just like, what the fuck? And it would kept... It would catch all angles of the light. And just when you're looking at that girl, it would blink off and blind her. And um, someone in physics class would be like, is that a prism? No, it's not a prism. It's my pimple. And it's glistening off and blinding all the potential girls I can flirt with and one day possibly be my partner. But yeah, I was thinking of this concept of boy to men. There was a band, boy band back when I was growing up called Boys to Men. Can't really recollect their songs, but they weren't, they were kind of like, I think they were all black, uh, or maybe they weren't all black. Maybe they were just gray. Who knows? But uh, this was the kind of the time of Backstreet Boys and Boy Zone, I think around the late 80s, 90s, and Boys to Men was a big hit. And when you, when you, when you listen to their music, I'm not really sure of the song names, but it really, didn't identify a passage in time when they became boys to men. It was kind of still boys who are just bigger now singing about whiny shit. And it was melodic shit, but I think it was whiny shit. I think, no, it, it was whiny shit. I'm confident about that now. But girls to women, when does this happen? Now, are we, are we, are we told that there's certain ages like puberty? Um, I was going to say menopause, but clearly some women don't even grow up till then. He just said it. Yes, he did. But is it like, 
when you start discovering hormonal changes in your body, like when you start menstruating for women or for men in today's society? Um, or is it a social, um, a social goalpost or social line that you cross is when you start earning money, when you first get your first job, when you're out of college, when you're out of university. Because if that's the case, people doing their PhD till their 40s are still kids, are still boys, are still girls. And um, now we need to, of course, think of a new transition, right, from boys to men, from girls to women. What is the next group going to think from, I don't know, I, I really am baffled for giving an option to the other gender or for the non-binary groups because you need to coin your own terms and then I will make it a point to repeat but i i find it i find it interesting because if you look at a lot of the people in society they kind of live their whole life as boys or girls and suddenly they wake up and they've retired from work and they've checked all the things which are technically age worthy i mean by age worthy i mean by emotional age worthy but none of them have aged emotionally because they still have the things that they've hold, held held on to so boys to girls or oh, boys to girls that's yeah, I just nailed it without even planning it. Boys to girls, girls to boys, boys to boys, girls to girls, boys to men, girls to women. Um, I'm curious, right? Because it's girls gone wild, right? Uh, and then you have cougars and you have women gone uh, crazy. Or you don't say girls gone crazy or girls be crazy. Women gone wild. That has a better ring to it. Women gone wild or you have desperate housewives. So, so, so the thing is, where does the, the shift happen, right? Is it emotional maturity? Because a lot of people say women, um, girls are more emotionally aware than boys. And that kind of translates to women are more emotionally mature than men. Um, is that true? I don't know. Is emotional maturity a good thing, right? Does it mean just because you learn how to nag or say, for instance, emotionally mature things or empathize or be more aware of your feelings, it makes you a woman? Or is it okay being emotionally immature like a girl, quote unquote, uh, or a boy, but at the same time have the ability to kind of be younger at heart? Like, does it mean you have to grow you know, become more world weary if you are a woman or a man? Or can you be a boy for the rest of your life by having the things that make you a man, but still embracing the idea of being a boy or a girl? I don't know. Where does the shift happen? Where does that little point cross from girl to woman, from boy to men? Or is it that you have to listen to that album from boys to men? Who knows? The world is full of mysteries when it comes to these things. But I just... I think there needs to be a point beyond which once you call yourself a man, there needs to be things that stop happening to you that happen like boys, like being bullied or feeling like crap on the playground or being feeling like crap being bullied because even men get bullied. It's not just a boy thing. Even girls and women get bullied. More so, I think it's more of jeering and taunting in the case of women. Of course, it happens even physically. But in the case of boys, you, you may be 50, but if someone replicates that behavior in the playground at work or say in a party or in a reunion he still transports you back to that 15 year old self that you were getting bullied or getting his head kicked in on the playground because he was chubby or because he couldn't catch the ball or butterfingers or whatever they call you it lasts through manhood or womenhood or womanhood now they need to these things need to stop right we need to let go of the things that weighed us down as boys and girls 
if we want to move on to men and women and i feel that passage of time needs to have this 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 set of like you know like how we graduate from college or from school i think we need to graduate from boys and girls to women and men hold on to the things that were good good right the 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 idea of change the idea of learning the idea of making new friends the idea of playing and playful approach to life but shed the other shit like pimples and things that affected you like bullying um because i feel that's baggage without the benefit of youth profound words eh from a pimple bearing prick <laughs> that's a nice line considering a pimple and a prick i mean you don't need to poke it my wife keeps saying don't poke it and i'm like what are you referring to she says the pimple anyhow let me talk about today's guests i've got isabel mercier and i've got margarita romano both on the same episode the founders of leap zone strategy are here today to talk about a lot of things partners in life and partners in business isabel and margarita have been together for over i think 30 years and they have applied what they've learned in life and how they've grown as partners to their business strategizing helping people strategize from small business owners to big corporations they help people position themselves and they help people with performance position and a whole lot more today we talk about communication how essential it is to survive in a relationship in a partnership in a business how to change when you're in that situation how to position the story that you want to in all aspects of life as individuals living with each other as business partners and for you if you're an entrepreneur if you're a business owner how do these factors come in and how do they help you and what role do they play in moving forward while keeping a sense of what your message is and what the story you want to tell is a fascinating conversation with two lovely ladies i'm sure you will enjoy the conversation and there's a lot for you to take away from it so without further ado let's get into the conversation with isabel and margarita and to you as always my friend thank you so much for listening cheers Margarita Isabel thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today appreciate it Such a pleasure honestly we're honored thank you Lovely to have you so i want to understand uh because you spoke about this in the talk and it's of course something that i'm sure the two of you share and it's a question i suppose it points as well and it's this, it's this conversation around happiness right um why this is something i'm very curious about is that why as a society are we obsessed about happiness and chasing after it Hmm. That's a great question. Uh, you know, we have a, our own definition of happiness and mm-hmm. then maybe I'll start with that and maybe it'll it'll get to you know our our definition of happiness is I don't know if it's a definition but it's a it's by units. We know that happiness comes and goes. It's not it's a state of being and it's you can't always be happy and at the same time when we work at living and at living authentically and with intention and in the present moment we can experience more moments of joy and happiness right and a lot of people think happiness is in something you buy and something you achieve and something that you create and there's a lot of happiness in all of that but those moments like any other moments they're fleeting and so we're always chasing after it it's like a drug that we never get enough of right <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
and I and I think it's what people are chasing after is the state of being, as Isabel was saying. And that is what that's the feeling everybody's trying to capture and stay in. Except mm-hmm. you can you can be in a state of being and of happiness. It's going to fluctuate. You know, yeah. you can't mm-hmm. always be at a peak of happy all the time. It just doesn't work that way. And and then I think the issue becomes when people try to get that feeling from the exterior instead of mm. finding it on the inside. And I think yeah. one thing I'd like to add to that, uh, Sandeep, is I have on my desk, I have a little post-it that says, happy these surprise me. Mm-hmm. And every day as I do the work that I love, the work that I don't love, the things that I don't want to do, the things that I think are going to take me longer and it's going to be so much much more complicated than it is. I always try to approach it in a, how much letting go can I do here? And how much can I allow things to just be what they are? And so happiness, uh, I'll say universe, happily surprised me. And it's incredible how intention matters in in everything that we do, you know. I really, yeah, I really like that um, that that sense of surrendering, you know, because there is this um, constant need to feel a certain way, which is being, um, you know, which is being told to people by, and as you said, you know, these these things are essential, right? Being authentic to yourself, uh, doing things with intention, but at the same time a lot of those things seem like an alien concept to people because it's being told by someone who's already seemingly more happy or seemingly more successful. And you hear it on your social media, the mentors or the influencers, like, you know, I live an authentic life, so I'm happy. I, I, you know, and it's great, of course. But for someone to feel what it means to be authentic is very different from being told what it means to be authentic. So um, when you said this surrendering idea, I really... um, you know, I think when you sit and you do what you choose to do, which, by the way, takes a lot of people a lot of time to arrive at because they're being torn in so many different different directions by, you know, uh, the family pressure, the, the the commitment to what they have, you know, maybe, you know, they've taken loans, they've taken things. So when they get out of college, or they get a university, they're like, you know, this dream of sitting and doing what I want to do, it seems very unrealistic for many people. So when you... Um, you know, I, I, I like that when you surrender to the universe. And I think that's a sense of respecting the fact that every state of being, whether it's confused, whether it's indecisive, whether it's sad or, um, you know, frustrated, all these things deserve as much respect as just the happiness, which everyone seems to be wanting, you know, and the attachment to that happiness, yeah. which after a point, if you're constantly happy, then you're, you're either crazy or you're on some good drug, which I want, you know? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I'm glad you said that because th- as Margaret has said, you know, happiness is a state of fluctuation. It, it cannot mm-hmm. be sustained equally all the time. Yet there are things like I work at this. We work at this every day. I, I have plenty of tattoos, but one of them right here uh, on my forearm says happiness Mm-hmm. is when what I think, what I say, and what I do are in harmony. And mm-hmm. my work every day is to say what I mean, mean what I say, and be in alignment with me. And the more in alignment I am with me, the more units of happiness 
I can experience and we call it collect, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like we want to collect units of happiness. It's not or, really a gathering, but. Or mm-hmm. even recognize. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like there, are, because there are different levels of happiness, keeping your awareness focused on what those could look like automatically brings more happiness into your life. Mm-hmm. Do you, so, so the two of you, of course, you know, you, you kind of have approached this together, but do you sense, uh, because I've heard this from, um, you know, some, some places when it comes to conversations around joy and happiness and fulfillment is by giving others makes some people more happy than doing for themselves. Is that something that you, uh, have, uh, you work towards or recognized as a, um, thing that helps in building the units? Absolutely. Yes. For me, you know, if I feel down, unhappy, for whatever reason, the first thing that I want to do is I want to either write a love note, send a thank you, call someone and just let them know how much I care. And I, I, I tend to connect out and really be of service, be of value and make someone's day. And automatically that just shifts my whole perspective on things. And it's amazing as well how the universe works when I feel less than or or all of the above that I just mentioned. Often I'll get an email from some out of the blue. We Mm -hmm. haven't seen this person or heard of this person for a while, right? Mm -hmm. Out of the blue, we'll get a Voxer message or an audio voicemail or something that that'll say, man, you've impacted me so much. Thank you so much. Here's what I've been able to do. And and it's incredible how much fueling that that does, you know, because we, we're not aware, none of us are fully aware of the impact that we have, mm-hmm. truly. And only a handful of people at some point will will share that. And most of the time it comes at a really good time, you know? <laughs> and I think the more you're able to stay present in life in general, especially with people, just being present, if you're present you are present to what is not only happening for you, but what is happening for somebody else. And so you can more easily be there for other people in that state. And so it's amazing what comes back with you out even without even knowing that you were there for somebody just from being present. Yeah. Yeah. That's something which I think uh, is so essential, right? Because there's this need right now for people to tell you know, whoever, whoever's listening, it's like, I know so much, right? Because there's so much information out there. So that's almost become a sense of, I read these many articles about mental health. So they know all the right terms. Like, you know, if you ask someone, they, they've got every diagnosis, right? Like, I have anxiety, I have depression, right. I have the, and it's, it's knowing versus feeling, which I think you, you mentioned really um, uh, nicely over here about when you're sitting with someone, you talk to them as opposed to you, you kind of, sit with them and you know you kind of appreciate that that conversation because a conversation of course is two-way but i think that's that's not happening as much because a lot of people are just spouting out fact or spouting out information that they gathered about whatever the situation or the conversations about whether it's about work it's whether it's about and as a result what happens is the exchange of ideas is kind of blocked because it's two people just shouting or even softly speaking at each other without acknowledging what the person needs. So when they leave that conversation, it's almost like, hmm, what just happened? You know, <laughs> they don't even know how that time passed by or how the other person felt at the end of that. And I think, and you know, that, mm-hmm. 
um, I, I was on a flight once and there's two kinds of listening, right? You can listen to respond or you can listen to understand. And I'm a very talkative person. And usually there's a good, a good exchange of conversation between who I'm talking with and me, right? Mm -hmm. And on a, on a long flight once years ago, all I did was asking questions. This person mm -hmm. I knew needed to talk. And all I did was ask a few questions. And this person at the end of a five-hour flight said, best conversation I've ever had. Mm. And I thought, I barely said anything, mm. right? But that's, this person felt like I was curious, like I wanted to know more, like he was interesting. And it felt, it had him feel valued and like, it, like he mattered in that moment, you know? And that's also part of in that whole creating units of happiness is not just for my happiness. It's for yours. It's for yours. It's for the people that we're with, you know? Yeah. You know, that's such a strange thing because when I was, uh, you know, I, I did stand up for about 13 years before, maybe, maybe a little less before the pandemic. And I was talking, of course, as you just mentioned, I was talking and I was getting uh, laughter for that. I was getting people coming from my shows, but now when I do this, which is the podcast, and I talk to people, I'm asking a lot more questions. And I take that, of course, beyond the podcast. And it's strange, the difference, because when I was the the, the stand-up comedian in a group, the attention was, of course, the pressure was on to make people laugh on or off stage. And it was, you know, a little tiring. It was a little, um, you know, con constantly trying to put on this, 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 this front of being the funny guy. But when I do this and I talk to people, I'm not so much talking to people, but the, the, the sense of, you know, the, 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 the sense of importance that a person feels when they're asked a few questions is, is, is really, it's, it's really sad that not many people are getting that, you know, because it's almost like everyone just has to show how much they know and, or whether it's online or whether it's in person or whether it's through a conversation that even sometimes I catch myself when I'm talking about a certain topic about whether it's parenting or a school and I'm just like, Hey, back off, let the person speak because you know what, you have a podcast, you can speak as much as you want, <laughs> let them, let them have their moment. <laughs> and automatically the conversation just feels less, less tense, you know? Yeah, totally. But yeah, no, so I'm just, you know, because this idea of a relationship now is also, um, it comes with a lot of pressure, you know, whether it's a business relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship. Um, and I want to understand when you when you set these things that we've spoken about in a context of business, because uh, I think, Margarita, you mentioned the idea of, uh, you know, external happiness versus internal. And these things, of course, are very, very true um, that we need. And um, if you look at it, actually, what we've just spoken about is pretty much what everyone wants in life, right? A sense of purpose, a sense of doing it with intention, a sense of being able to sit back and say, you know what, let the universe surprise me. I think these are I would say, hey, this conversation ends here today <laughs> because that's exactly what, you know, a person's life can be and that's the fulfillment of life. But it comes with a lot of baggage, comes with a lot of distractions, which are, of course, these things that you too have seen in business, which is the external pressures, right, of getting investment, getting funding, getting successful clients, getting, um, you know, reviewed by people, getting on the top of all these lists. So how do, the, how do both of you approach this without feeling the pressure of the real world, quote unquote? You know, I mean, there's always some sort of pressure, but 
One, we've been together for a very long time. It's we're 31 years uh, together as a couple, but also as business partners. So wow. um, we've, I'm sure there's an award for this, uh, Sandeep, somewhere, right? That's like, being on this podcast. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'm sure there's an award for this achievement. Um, having said that, we're very different. I'm, I'm about outcome. Margarita is about overcome. Mm-hmm. And as we work with people, it's not just about the outcome, although the outcome is important. I'm a, I'm a destination kind of person. She's a journey kind of person. Mm-hmm. And of course, now with, with 31 years of being together, I have become more of a we've journey met, person. We've met down the middle. Pretty we much. have met okay. down the middle. Yes. And mm-hmm. that's part of what we, how we work. We work very intentionally Margarita works partners with horses to actually help people on an energetic basis, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, With their energy of being, because people mainly don't know what it is to be at the receiving end of their energies. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we, we navigate the outcome overcome and the units of happiness are very present in the work that we do, whether we rebrand a company, whether we coach uh, an executive team and their entire workforce, it is about setting, having brave conversations. It's about setting rhythms together that are going to be good for everybody. And it's about um, creating a set of boundaries that's going to allow people to just flourish in the way that they are meant to flourish. Through, you know what I mean? through clarity, through boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries are kind, right? Because they create clarity. Right. Could, Margarita, could you talk a little bit more about the energy, uh, the receiving of energy which people are experiencing or rather which you make them experience? Yes. Well, because I partner with horses and they are prey animals, they are mm-hmm. animals that are constantly reading the energy in their environment to know if they're in danger. Uh-huh. And so they... It doesn't matter if it's an animal or a person. If you're in their environment, they're reading your energy. And what they do beautifully is they act like mirrors. So they will reflect the energy in the environment. So when I bring somebody into their environment, their behavior is a reflection of the person. And it allows me and I read their behavior. That's what my expertise is in. So, And I get Mm. to coach a person in the presence of the horses being mirrors for them. And and yeah. the interesting thing is, is horses don't care about what you're thinking. Like it's not, this is not the energy that they're tuned into. They're tuned into the, what we're holding in our bodies. And oftentimes that's the, the stuff in our bodies is what people tend to ignore or tend to not pay attention to. It's always more the thoughts, the thoughts, the thoughts, but our body has a lot of <clears> knowledge. <throat> and so the horses bring us back to that. No, it's tremendous because, um, you know, when, when, when you go, um, whether it's near a horse or even, you know, your, your pet at home, sometimes when you visit, you, you can tell the kind of person who lives there seeing the pet, right? Because the, 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 yeah. the dog's aggressive or jumping around all over the place like yeah, badly. Yes. And that's crazy because when I was young, I used to go horse riding and I never was comfortable for various reasons, right? Because, um, I was, I mean, I was not scared, but I, I get, oh my God, because the energy of the horse is, I mean, how much, you know, you, you can train the horse, you can ride the horse, but this whole energy thing is um, quite 
you know, mind boggling because you can, um, especially in the business thing, you have people who are wearing suits and coming here, those things which impress in the business world. I don't think black beauty cares about it. You know, I'm just giving, sorry, your horse is not called black beauty, but (laughs) you're right. Like they have no ego and no judgment. So they don't, they're not looking at your credentials. They're not looking at what's been achieved or not achieved, or they are simply a reflection. And it's, it's actually quite incredible because they, they sense, as you said, Margaret, they sense what's in the body and they do not care what the person looks like, what their culture is, what their gender is. Energy mm. is energy. And Margarita can read that energy. And the transformation of the clients that we work with are deeper, more long-lasting than when we did not have uh, this, I will say, methodology, uh, when Margarita did not partner with horses. And, and horses, can they can smell bullshit yeah. miles away. And so... You know, there are little bullshit detectors and we can get to the core of truly of someone way faster. No, that's so important, right? Because we all uh, go for these workshops about how to speak more effectively or how to read body language or it's, it's so, it's so full of crap, right? Because someone's like, yeah, my posture tells me how I'm going to be a successful CEO. But I think every so often just go near an animal and they'll tell you whether you have good energy or not. <laughs> you yeah. know, I think it's Absolutely. So... But isn't that, I mean, I, I, I mean, I just want to, you know, understand because you, you, you work with um, startups, you work up with young entrepreneurs or maybe old entrepreneurs. I don't know the age group of the entrepreneurs, but um, when, when it comes to uh, the conversations they have, because um, in, in India right now, startups are the new thing, right? Every, every other person has a startup and they have these, um, requirements to make these pitches, this elevator thing, this is where they go to people and get funding. And But how do you um, approach it with this? Because, um, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of knowledge that you get through working in a corporation, in a company, and you work on the story. Uh, but how does someone just out of college or guess out of university get the idea of or get this 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 balance of okay you know there is the things you need to put in which is hard work you need to build a good team you need to get a good idea but on the flip side there is this you you need this sense of okay i need to approach it with a more um with with, with a sense of okay if i do fail there is a reason for it that so how do you approach the, a more holistic way when you when you when you work with people like this well our methodology is very holistic you know we mm-hmm. look at Um, positioning personality and performance Mm -hmm. and within these three there's you know mindset and inner game there's there's not only you know money and kpis and sales and marketing but there's Mm -hmm. mindset and inner game and there are dynamics team dynamics there's there's a the people the logical the tactical you know it's it we go into all the areas because some people are naturally stronger in certain areas than others. So it's important mm-hmm. to make sure that all areas are being reviewed and, and elevated. At the end of the day, we help entrepreneurs be either the first, the best, or the only. And so we help them with their messaging, their positioning, their uh, business strategy, um, with their marketing strategy. Basically, we're about helping an entrepreneur becomes successful. At the same time, 
there's a lot of things that you can learn and there's a lot of things that just come with time. There's, mm -hmm. you know, I've known certain things since I was a little girl and they're just really, truly landing now, you know, and I'm 51. So mm -hmm. there's things that actually much like wine, it just needs to just steep there for a while and get better with age and get better with experience. The biggest thing we need to work on within, uh, with entrepreneurs is to help them relax because manifestation only happens in a state of relaxation. And so, we, you know, if we're all wound up all the time and I'm speaking to myself as much as everybody else here, what I like, whatever we talk about today, we practice and we work in our day-to-day -day life every, <clears throat> every minute of every day. We don't just talk about it, but there's, there's a, you said it earlier, there's an expectation of oneself. There's a, other people have expectations of, of us, right? As human beings. And we don't like to make mistakes as human beings. We don't like to look stupid. We don't like to. So of course there's a, there's a, uh, a desire to perform and do well. And a lot of my best experiences and biggest knowledge have come from big screw-ups and things mm. that, you know, I didn't want to happen and it was shameful and difficult. And, but in that came amazing gems. And so mm. that's just part of, it's just part of the journey you're going to have some really good deals and you're going to have some really bad deals. And you're going to think you're going to have good deals and they're going to turn out to be bad. And you're going to think they're bad and they're going to turn out to be good and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. But we believe that with some smarts and some intelligence around methodology that is not just about ROI, but it's about mindset and inner game. It's about enjoying the journey to getting there. We've sold, we sold our first business at 32, 33 years old because we didn't feel happy in there anymore. And it was taxing on our relationship. And so was it a big, a big decision? Yeah. We spent a lot of sleepless nights crying and trying to figure out what we wanted to do when we grew up, you know, meanwhile, we were, we were actually quite successful and, but it didn't feel happy anymore. So what's yeah. the point of having a bunch of money or having the title of Uber successful? If inside you're screaming and you're not feeling right, you know, mm. you know, that's such a, um, an important feeling to recognize because, you know, my wife uh, runs a, uh, she's an entrepreneur. She runs a e-commerce startup. I, I think it's, e yeah, it is e-commerce startup. Um, and, you know, I do this and it, it, it felt so good after the lockdown to do this podcast and it still feels good. Um, but, you know, we, I, as I told you, we just recently went to New York and the conversation there with the people we met is all about the money, right? It's about when the, when the heart of Soho and you look around, it's like, what's the cost of this apartment? It's just, money being spoken about, of course, amongst other things, but I, I came back with that on my mind, right? And then this this place where I was, which you said, the relaxed place where you're enjoying what you're doing and you're not panicking about, oh my God, you know, because my wife and I have a, uh, you know, I think she's, yeah, she's a 16 month old baby. And, you know, you have all those pressures that come with that, like, oh my God, school starts or whatever, preschool and then school and then you plan for a future. And I came back with all those thoughts as opposed to, me saying I enjoy the conversation and I enjoy these conversations and I learn from that. As you said, you know, sometimes the, 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 you have these failures or you have these things, but things come out of it, the gems or the learning or the things that you take take away from it. 
But when you're in this mindset of just money and what a, you need to do to get it and what you need uh, money for and what it's going to do for you, it just almost feels claustrophobic and you can't think of anything else and what satisfaction those other things give you or the fulfillment those other things give you. So is there a way to do these things without keeping a price tag attached to it or, you know, worrying about it? Because the moment money comes into the conversation, I feel it just flips everything on its head. You're right. And, you know, so many times recently, even we've had conversations with friends around what if the world was not driven by money? What if mm -hmm. money just disappeared and we just traded services and products and everybody had what, what everybody needs to, mm -hmm. to survive well and live? I mean, there are people who have more money than, than they'll even be able to fathom in their lifetime and mm -hmm. in five, six generations of their, of their loved ones. And some people have none at all. And I mean, that's just so ridiculous. But in the end, Staying, more, I, I speak from experience. I have been very stressed about money in my earlier years. And Margaret was obviously privy to this. And Margaret always had more of a trust factor around money. And, you know, it's, it's, it's there and it's going to be fine. And we're resourceful and it's always, we're always going to make it work, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. And for me, it was always like, oh, thank God we had that client because where would we have been? Or thank God. And it was always, even though we were doing well, it was always a bit of a survival speak, you know? And mm -hmm, I remember my mm -hmm. coach saying to me, why do you always speak like you're in survival mode? And yeah. I was like, well, because I feel, I feel like we're in survival mode, but we're not. I mean, we, we, it felt like we were, and sometimes we truly are. Yeah. But the majority of the time is just this concept of, more and better and more is better and and it really and, and it's and it's funny recently just in our last coaching session you know how when people say oh this happened to me and then now the conversation recently shifted to this happened for me instead of to me you take a little bit more responsibility right mm -hmm. and in our last coaching session we were talking about this happened from me mm -hmm. and i thought <laughs> that's actually pretty, pretty amazing when you think about that. So, so when you think about things don't happen to you, they don't necessarily happen for you, but they happen from you. So whatever you see happening, it's basically you created. You created. So th this gives a sense of maybe a bit of control because if, if something is happening, you can't control it. There's nothing to be done about that, but I can control my thoughts Mm -hmm. And that's much easier said than done, by the way. Everybody knows that it's, it's, we all want to control our thoughts and slow down. And it's much easier said than done. But ultimately, what were you going to say? Well, and on the note of thoughts, I think if you relate that back to money, when you can, for me, when I started to really treat money like energy and that it has a flow, it comes in, it goes out, comes in, it goes out. When I started trusting what was going out and trusting what was coming in, the flow, the manifesting of the flow becomes more, I don't know if it's effortless or more abundant, or maybe just because I trust in it more, it feels like it is there. So I trust in that and it changes, it ends up changing my relationship to, to or with money. 
That's lovely. You know, I'm on, I'm I'm like that. I mean, I don't I haven't looked at it as an energy kind of uh, context, but I've I you know when I think of money as a responsible person, it annoys me because I've never been responsible about money. <laughs> I've never saved and invested and. So when I hear that, you know, of course, you get on YouTube, you're like, you're 40 and you haven't invested. Are you crazy? And I'm like, oh, my God, am I crazy? But <laughs> but realistically, I've I love spending on others. And but I don't call it, you know, I don't call it like philanthropic work. I just, you know, when when, when I was younger, it would be OK. You know what? You don't have a beer in your hand. I'm going to buy everyone a round of beers because I felt I that at the end of the evening, I'm not counting how many dollars or rupees I have in my pocket, but people had a good time. And that mattered right. more for me than how much I'm going back home with. But if I take that forward to today and, you know, I have a family now, and if I say, you know, if I tell my wife, hey, I'm going out with a thousand rupees and I'm going to come back with absolutely nothing because you know what, who cares about tomorrow? She's like, are you crazy? You have a kid to look after. So That's where right. does that change? Because I like the idea of letting money be just a tool but at the same time, where is the responsibility of providing for your family or your future or for whatever it may be taking care of you? Because let's be honest, you need money to live, right? But can we can we separate the responsibility aspect? Because as you as you said, Isabel, you know, there are people who can barely make the end of the day because they don't have any money. And then there are people who've got generations worth of wealth, which just keeps growing without them doing anything, you know, because of the the, the way it is. But more than the actual amount of money or money as an as as a reward system can can we change the psychology of how we um and and and, and as you said margarita the energy aspect of money but you know like if we can have fun with money right does money have to be a serious thing every time we talk about it it's like no, investment exactly. can we have yeah yeah and in fact uh one thing that we have that we've implemented years and years ago, and this is going to sound a bit weird, but we have a gambling fund and we don't gamble. It's not mm -hmm. like I go to Vegas and gamble my money. Mm -hmm. However, we are responsible. She is more responsible than I am money-wise. <laughs> but um, Well, which is a good I, thing because I manage it. I make it and she manages. <laughs> I mean, we, we all have our, 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 uh, our roles. However, mm -hmm. it's this gambling fund started because in my, in our previous business, I would test things sometimes with designs and with things we had a branding agency mm -hmm. and, and some things worked well and some things flopped. And every time it flopped, I felt so bad. I felt like, Oh, such a waste of time and energy and money. And so at the time our coach had said, we've been coached our entire life together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and we're 10 years ahead of our business plan all the time as a result of being coached. But mm -hmm. he said to us, what is such a big deal here? You you made an experiment. It didn't go well. Sometimes you're going to make an experiment. It's going to go well. Sometimes you're going to go out. It's going to cost you more than if, you know, than some, than some other times. So we have times where we take some of our money and put it somewhere and create it. It's going to make babies. And we have a place where we we have money where we can do what we want with it. It might be test. It might be buying a software and seeing if it, and then it turns out to be shitty. That's fine. Mm -hmm. It might be that we're gonna take a a different mode of transportation to get from A to B and test that out. It might be that we want to actually do an experience together and not feel guilty about it. So the the goal, how that started, was exactly to remove our mind mainly my attachment to be 
effective and proactive and smart with money and just give me my give myself a bit of slack mm. around the money in that place is not to be thrown just in the garbage obviously but it's no matter what we do with it whether it's positive or it ends up being a flop it's okay it's safe it's a little bit like on your birthday there are no calories Mm. That's the kind of account <laughs> yeah. that we have for that. And it's taught me so much, actually. And I think if we go back to the concept that money is energy and it flows, it flows in, it flows out. It's also about managing our um, reactions to things. So let's say an opportunity comes in. You really want it. You don't get it. Mm-hmm. You could spend a very long time being upset or pitying yourself or whatever it is because you didn't get the, that opportunity. And if you stay in that, you're going to miss the next opportunity in the flow, right? So if you trust that that opportunity came and it went and it wasn't meant for you, you'll be ready for the next opportunity. And it's the same when money's going out, you know, you win some, you lose some, right? And if you get stuck in the energy of one or the other, you miss the next thing. Right. But you know, you, you you mentioned that the two of you have a an understanding about um, you know who handles what, and you figured out uh, this 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 place that you've arrived at over the past uh, years. But you know, sometimes in a relationship, you 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 um, Margarita, you said you handle and you manage the money, right? Which is great that you both have the trust that you know you you're going to do the right thing for both of you. But in many cases, there's the, the dynamics of the relationship. And um, money don't really go well because it becomes a power play, right? It becomes a thing where whether it's the man or the, 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 or the wife or the husband or the wife or whoever it may be, the partners, um, they, if one person has control of the finances, it doesn't bode too well for the other partner. And um, as a result, what happens then, it becomes that, you know, if, if both people in the relationship have money. Like I see this in India, right? Like right now, like, like the woman, especially because it's been, you know, the, st- the odds are stacked against women in India for many years. It's like, oh no, I have to work. And as a result, I, you know, I can't be at home. And then it just plays different numbers in the relationship. And as a result, yeah. uh, money either becomes a thing of breaking the relationship or weighing the scales against one group, one person in the relationship. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll just clarify something like I manage the money. Mm -hmm. However, from the beginning, we have both. We've treated each other like employees from the Mm -hmm. beginning. Okay. So we are very, everything is even, everything is fairly divided um, over the years. I mean, it has been over 30 years. So Mm -hmm. over the years, you know, she's trusted how I manage the ins and outs of the money, but at any moment, I in no way, um, am the only one that can, if she needed ever to jump in, she could, she has access to everything I have access to. So I think it's, it's, um, there was a time though, that, that when I was more uptight with money, there was moments where we disagreed, you know, like, Mm -hmm. You wanted to do certain things or manage a, a certain way. I'm not quite sure. I can't, I can't have a good example right now, but I remember being more stressed about it than you were. And, mm. and. Well, you were more tied to outcomes then. I was, I was very tied to outcome. I still 
am to a certain degree, but I've relaxed around that. And so, I mean, there's cultural differences, there's uh, men, women differences, there's, uh, depends on how you were raised, where you were raised, uh, yeah. how much your your family had money versus not had money. I mean, we have money triggers left, right, and center on this planet, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we also started this from the ground up. It, right. You know, like you, we were 18. So yeah. it's not like we both came in with the bare minimum. Yeah, <laughs> zero. Yeah. So we've grown this together, which is also different. It's different when somebody in a relationship comes in and one is already established and the other one's not. Right. right. It's a different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. You're that, getting I think... me to realize you're getting me to realize that there's so many because we're two women together, first of all, I mean. In, a, in 30 years ago, this was not an easy, an easy conversation to have with our parents that are, yeah. are absolutely Catholic to the bones, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but despite, it's funny, a lot of uh, couples have a variety of different issues, trust issues, money issues. Uh, they don't agree on how to raise the children. And mm-hmm. so we thought we were going to have a very big issue, which is we're two women together. We're going to have to like prove ourselves the whole time in our careers. And, and funny enough, that was not that much of an issue. And because we were, we got together really young, we've, we grew together. We were coached together. So there's a lot of these issues, money issues, and not to say that there isn't, but I guess it, it maybe is less because we grew up together. We were coached together. We, of course, we, you know, we went like this a few times, obviously apart and together and apart and together. It has not been all rainbows and unicorns. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm realizing that there's a level of maturity that we've gained over the years that I am, I'm like realizing that in this moment going, oh, we've, we've done some good a good chunk of work you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Not, not to say you know not to tap my pat myself on the back by no means but it's a it's a nice realization to go to say wow we've gone through a shit ton yeah and we're here and we're still together and yeah. we had money issues and trust issues at some point and being two women together issues and we're artists for crying out loud you know, we could have been told a million times, don't go get yourself a real job, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's But that's, we're that... ourselves and we thought we're just going to stay with the camera. We're just going to stay who we are and we're going to follow our hearts and we're going to support each other in, in that journey. And we're going to try not to kill each other throughout. You know, that's how it goes. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the besides all the other things this is just this is what is amazing about it right like anything else is you know an add-on but just this part of your relationship your story is something which is amazing and you know because when you know I've been um I better get this number right in case my wife's listening but I've been married now for um going on eight years it's gonna be eight years this 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 December and just when we um, got married, just the whole relationship with money was, you know, she wanted to um, not take over the thing, but be, you know, be more involved in uh thing because, you know, at that point she just started a company. I was more established in stand-up, getting more. Th- she like, let's, and, and it, the way it affected me was almost like, because I was conditioned to believe that, you know, 
the 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 person providing in the relationship um you know i mean as a man i have to make the money and this just the way it's changed since then um right. i mean this the, the biggest change is that i'm not making any money now so that, <laughs> and that that works well but um yeah the, the 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 thing which i think is so important that you just said is you know you can have all these things where you start out in your relationship whether it's marriage or just dating with both people having no money or one person coming in with more or one person with the potential of making more and right. in 10 years you see that person no longer together they've got divorced or they're no longer together because money was the issue right one person's ego got bruised beyond repair or both people couldn't see eye to eye on what they want to do with money but then you see people who've um 30 years later like you the the, the two of you who who had issues with money but had other issues socially as well but you acknowledge and this is something which i i really um you know strikes a chord with me is that if you you know because i know some personal examples where people had to end the relationship or chose to end the relationship because of money but then if you get past that and you acknowledge why you're together and everything yeah. else is just a part of the story that you're trying to build as a relationship as a couple because you can have your own lives you can have your own story you can have your own business you can have your own uh, interests and you can have your own passion projects but essentially why are you to, why are you together and i think that's something which both of you represent so beautifully thank you and we've had to we've had to recommit to that mm -hmm. many times mm -hmm. you know we we almost i think it was three or four times that we were literally leaving each other and having these tough conversations and i think one thing is we're not afraid of having brave conversations mm -hmm. that may alter the course of a relationship or of our life we've changed we've altered the course of our life many times as a result of having brave conversations and money whether you have issues with money now or at the divorce time i mean i've we we all know people that loved each other dearly yeah. and suddenly don't love each other and now it's war about money yeah and so for us we have our life for 31 years. we've been longer together than alive apart so mm. our lives are so entangled that we have someone in charge like if if we don't agree on something major we have someone that's in charge of actually making a decision for us. We have someone that's, that's in charge of taking care, uh, taking over our business. If at some point we are going cuckoo or want to hate each other's guts, which after 31 years, I, I would hope that that would never happen. But <laughs> one thing that yeah. we do have is a lot of respect for one another. So we do argue, we do bicker. Um, we don't get along all the time. And sometimes we are a whole day without talking to each other. We are together, but we're, we're apart while being together. And that's just part of life. And it's part of what I need or what she needs in the moment. But we've set ourselves up to not fall in the trap of the, the money hatred trap that mm. may occur at some point or another in a relationship, especially, I mean, we have a successful business together and that we have animals and we have employees and too many lives at stake here for a, a bad argument to turn to gonk, to go wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, which is um, something that a lot of people need to kind of recognize, right? Because these, these, these outer trappings can easily kind of blind you to why you're with that yeah. person and you you know you can go 
people call it the honeymoon phase, you go on holidays, you go on part, you go party. But then when, you know, when, 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 when things aren't very good, then you're like, why am I with this person? Or it becomes a power play. Like, oh my God, she, she's me. Or my work's more important than hers or his work is, um, you know, earning more. It, it just becomes a very bad spiral that you can kind of can't get, you know, wrap your head around. And next thing you know, it's just, you're asking yourself the wrong questions and you're kind of working yourself up in this frenzy where you're like, not looking at the yeah. person for who they are, but you're looking at them for all these things they either did or didn't bring into the relationship, you know, whether it's, yeah. and that's a scary place to be because then you're just like, um, that person becomes an Excel sheet and no, not a person, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. totally. And, you know, and in our relationship as well, there has been some difficulties around, you know, I'm the one who does, who did mainly work with clients and mm-hmm. she took care of managing and doing all the back end stuff. And we've had some conversations around, yeah, well, you know, this is important. Without this, we you wouldn't have any backend stuff to do. And so we've had these weird, crazy conversations, but they're triggered by we're humans, you know? And then we learn, we're like, well, you know what? Yeah, without your work, none of mine would 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 actually exist. And without my work, none of her work would exist either. So it's Mm. different and it's important and Mine has more uh, client deadlines than hers, but she has more government deadlines and other deadlines that I don't have to deal with at all, right? So, but when you learn to navigate these conversations, it's not always pretty. And we're Mm. way better now than we were 10 years ago, you know? And I think the key is to keep having the conversations, right? It's when there is no communication that things blow up. But if you're in constant communication, even if it's, you know, shitty commute, like even if it's not fun to go through, but you're constantly communicating, you'll move through it. You know, you, you have more chances of moving through it than letting it blow up and dividing. I think it's really cool, too, that we um, we do. Margarita wrote a book five years ago, a bestseller book, the red book behind me here, um, sitting on the fence, uh, a journey, uh, how to love without limits. And because. I'm not gay, she's not gay, but we happen to be together because we fell in love with the soul. Why I'm saying this is over the weekend, we recorded the audible and oh, I, I narrated it and, and I have some parts in there. So I narrated my parts. But the beauty of all this is so it was big through memory lane because a lot of the pieces in there are in the first two years of our relationship way back when. And um, what a it was amazing to see, even at the beginning when she wrote the book, it was my life, her life, but it's the life seen through her lens. Mm-hmm. And so when I read the book initially, I thought, wow, that is fascinating because I was there, but I could yeah. tell a very different story about that, about that event, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so bring that into the mix of life and work and money. We all have our lenses we all see things differently based on our backgrounds and how we were raised in our culture. And that just is intricate and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the more we can respect that and let that shine out of each other, the better, you know? It's a great message. Yeah. So, so, so obviously, you know, the two of you have seen so much over the past 31 years, individually and together. Um, so I just want to get, this is not a business uh, related um this is not, not related to your business or what you do, but just with the climate of where we are today with all these um, 
things. And Isabel, you just mentioned, you know, the two of you have been together and you found each other and for the reasons you did. But what do you make of what we are experiencing right now with all the accusations, with with the with the various groups of people, with the transgender, with the gay, with the with the, so many groups? I don't even know if I can count all of them. Um, with all this pointing, <laughs> with all this pointing fingers, blaming and accusations about how, as a result of oppression, they've done. So maybe is, I mean I don't have a question, but I. I just want to understand from both of you finding a reason to be together um, and looking at the situation where, where where people just want to kind of point and say, because of someone, I am like this. What do you make of it? I, I believe that because of, um, how do I want to say this? I believe people are finding the courage more and more to mm-hmm. show up. Mm-hmm. basically and that is bringing more and more um different ways of being to the surface whether right. it's through identity through gender through how you know it, it how the relationships it there are many more you know like we're going back like we've been together it's going to be 32 years this year yeah. mm-hmm. and even going back to the beginning of those 32 years you know there was pretty much male, female, heterosexuality. And then people have heard of gay people and lesbians, but, you know, it was not really talked about or, you know, so, and we've, that was just in our, in one relationship, like we've moved through to being today where, oh, there's not only, you know, identifying as a woman or a man, like being two men, being two women, being not identifying as a man or a woman, you know, like there's so many, is now a woman. Yeah, 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 there's so many. And I think, that for me, I think it's people are finding the courage to speak up. And I think at the end of the day, it's about recognition. We all want to be recognized mm-hmm. for who we are. And the, it's, there's a pendulum and the pendulum was too little. The pendulum will, is going to go to too complex and yeah. eventually it'll find its, its middle. Um, but in the end, people want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be understood. And in order to be seen, heard, and understood, we need to be more ourselves. And and what it's doing is it's creating new generations that have a completely different view on it all than mm. ours or the generation before us. Or that, you know. Yeah, like your, is, your nephew. You know? Yeah, like my niece and nephew, there's no issue. It's like it, it, it's an open book and you are who you are and that's it. We love you for yeah. it. Whereas, which is amazing, right? You know, yeah, which is it hasn't uh, necessarily been. Yeah, yeah. I think the way things changed with the way I wouldn't call it values because I think that comes with a little bit of uh, um, a morality to it. But I would say just the way the world is viewed, it's like yeah, it's cool. You know, like I remember when you know, uh, nineteen ninety one, I think, or nineteen ninety ninety one is when I got diagnosed with this eye condition. It was just so stressful for my mom to ask. Um, schools whether they have assistance and accommodate the the needs that i had back then whether it's you know a scribe or whether it's you know whatever it was at that time you know we, we, we in the 1990s i don't even think um you know they, they i think they just invented paper back then you know <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so till, till today when i just look around and i feel it's gone to the other end of the spectrum where everyone's like celebrate disability. I'm like, you don't have to celebrate disability, but I get what you just said. People want to 
be recognized for the story that they've lived. Um, and it's it's amazing how now, yeah. you know, I go, go in a wheelchair and, you know, it's, it's fine. I take a wheelchair. People are like, why do you take a wheelchair? I'm like, because you get through security a lot quicker, you know, and at the airport. Exactly. It <laughs> Good for you. It's got to have perks, man. It's got to have perks. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's really funny. Like when we travel now, I, you know, my wife has the baby. So obviously she can't assist me. Like earlier, we'd just go and, you know, I should help me out. I, I take the airport assistance and I hold someone's arm. They take me through the security line, through the staff entrance. And suddenly I look behind me, my wife, my daughter, my in-laws, everyone's following. I'm like, you can't, you have, you have to go through the regular <laughs> line. <laughs> now they're just piggybacking on me getting That's quick right. access. Yeah. <laughs> You got your entourage. Yeah, we're with him. We're with him. Correct. It's a collective disability now. That's right. Exactly. Uh, but it's fun. You know, I think what um, I really appreciate that both of you bring, um, you know, have brought today to the conversation beyond all your knowledge and, 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 and the work you've done is this spirit of having... Of, of seeing and recognizing what you both, uh, what you each mean to the other and being, um, you know, able to communicate as you change over the course of time, because you, I'm sure the yeah. two of you will agree that you're not you're no longer the people you were in 1990, 91. Correct. But That's true. being able to kind of grow at the same time, um, give each other what you need, I think is very hard in today's day and age where it's so easy to quit and just say, move on to the next person or the next project or the next relationship to become a better version of myself with all these things being thrown at you. I think it's... Um, you know, I, I, recognizing that and, you know, for me to hear your story, I think I just, I'm very privileged and I'd like to thank you for that. Well, thank you for thank you. for seeing that and recognizing that. I mean, I know um, recently one of our last TED Talk together, the message was it, to strengthen a relationship, be it a professional relationship or a personal relationship, you got to be brave together. You got to flow together. And you've got to grow together. And that's choosing to grow with her despite of everything we've gone through, despite of everything we're going to get through mm -hmm. is, uh, is a choice. And we think it's sometimes greener somewhere else, but wherever you go where it's greener, there's always going to be greener somewhere else. And so might as well make a decision, make a commitment, and then work through the kinks to get through this commitment. And I'm not, it's not that I'm against uh, other choices, divorce and all of that. I mean, you be you, right? Yeah. I be me, yeah. you be you. And uh, uh, the world uh, hopefully will uh, get to become a better place if we're all more of, of, of who we are, you know? Well said. Now, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you both joining me today. Margarita, thank you. Isabel, thank you. And it's been a pleasure chatting with you and hearing your story and your words of wisdom and all the knowledge you've shared with me and people listening today. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for your energy. Thank you. Yes. And thank you for inviting us. My pleasure. It was lovely chatting with both of you today. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.